0: Love Talk Radio. Learn how to take your caring and giving farther with the caring and funding podcast powered by Cap America. Cap America, America's leader in cross-border philanthropy, helps corporations, foundations, wealth advisors, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grant management program and philanthropic advisory services, CAF America helps donors amplify their impact and ensure their gifts are made in a safe and effective manner. This caring and funding podcast is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. Our guests are leaders in their field who join us to share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of CAF America. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at cafamerica.org on iTunes and now just say Alexa play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, welcome the host of CAF America's Caring and Funding Podcast, Ted Hart.
1: And welcome to this latest edition of the Caring and Funding Podcast. We are coming to you live from the front lines of philanthropy, where we will be able to share with you today the insights of my two guests who are advisors on the front lines of philanthropy here at CAF America. Uh, first uh, guest that I want to introduce you to is our Senior Vice President of External Affairs, Jesse Kraft. Jesse, welcome back here to the Caring and Funding Podcast. Thank you, Ted. Jesse, so much has happened in just the last few weeks uh, during the uh, coronavirus global pandemic, and charities are on the front line. Donors are there with them wanting to provide uh, funding that will be impactful, that will make a difference. As the world continues to fight this pandemic, we're learning that there are a number of nonprofit organizations that are being forced to suspend some of their services, and worse. Some are having to shut down operations altogether. Jesse, when uh, a, a nonprofit shuts down, there is intellectual property that is lost. There are service models that will not uh, continue. Can donors learn uh, what type of work is being done and how we can connect that work with their philanthropy?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and certainly the, the numbers you're uh, talking about are, are dire. Um, there are a number of charities that are, have been forced to, to suspend their work and, and close some of their operations. We've done a lot of uh, research on this um, over the past couple of months. We've done some surveys, the last of which brought in responses from 880 charities from 122 countries. So, you know, the, the resources that we have on, on Cap America's website related to these surveys are, are really helpful as a starting point to see some of the challenges that these charities are facing um, and some of what they're asking for in terms of you know, the types of resources they need or to learn about how they're trying to cope with the loss of funding or the inability to com- complete some
1: of their most important programs. In, in trying to connect those two and helping uh, charities to complete uh, their program, I wanna bring in another one of our experts here uh, at uh, CAF America. Lauren Previty uh, is Senior Director of Donor Services. Again, one of our professionals right here on the front lines of philanthropy. Uh, Lauren, here at CAF America, you know, Calf America is different and that makes all the difference. But what are some of the trends that are emerging within the context of the coronavirus pandemic? Are donors able to provide the support that's needed on the ground?
3: yeah we're definitely seeing some really interesting trends emerge of course we're still seeing a significant focus on immediate relief efforts whether that's funding access to medical care um, funding food banks and other um, immediate needs like uh, personal protective equipment but we're also starting to really see a shift in focus from immediate relief to funding that's meant to sustain the organization so, we're really seeing donors that are looking to fund things like salaries, rent, basic program expenses, utilities. So while many organizations have been able to shift their programs to meet the new normal, some are just unable to continue services that will be essential to people who will start going back to work soon um, as we start to you know, see this you know, pandemic shift. So this incremental funding that donors are showing a lot of interest in is really intended to help organizations stay afloat and ensure the short-term and medium-term stability of those organizations.
1: That's so important, Jesse. Uh, but uh, when organizations are trying to bring the, fa- the funding together to allow them to focus on what might be at some point seen as a new normal, uh, will beneficiaries come for those services? Does that become the, the new big problem for charities who are able to survive?
3: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think um, one of the really great examples of this is a food bank that we recently worked with in Europe, um, and they really had to dramatically change the way that they provide their services for that exact reason. They can no longer be a central place for individuals to access food in their region with lockdown measures in place, so they have really needed to adjust their programs to allow for delivery and distributed food pickup locations. So um, we're really seeing uh, organizations have creative and dynamic responses, but those also require a lot of planning and changes to the way that they implement their programs, and so the communication with donors on what those needs are as they change so rapidly is so important.
1: Jesse, one of the questions that I think we're we're hearing really uh, for the first time, or at least uh, it's it's, uh, gaining strength, it's a bit louder, uh, is donors turning to charities and asking what do you need to survive? Um, how does that then connect to funding coming to those charities? What are you hearing right now on the front lines?
2: Yeah, and I think that's it's a really interesting and, and hopeful trend to see. Um, and it's a different dynamic right now between donors and charities in that regard. Not across the map, but um, I think what we're seeing is donors becoming more flexible and, and listening more um, because you know the the dynamics have just changed so much and donors are no longer feel like no longer feel like they're in a position where they know um, what is necessary on the ground in order to accomplish their impact goals um, and you know one of the most interesting uh, things that donors have been asked to support um, which of course makes a lot of sense is assisting charities in their digitization process so You know, many organizations are not set up to telework or to provide remote services. And, you know, as sort of to Lauren's point, donors are being asked to support more mundane things like utilities. But in this case, they're supporting, you know, uh, purchasing cloud-based services and purchasing laptops and things like that for their employees to be able to connect at home. Um, And, you know, it's a, a unique challenge that we're facing right now and not something donors have specifically you know, sought to support in the past. But because in some of these cases that means the difference between operational or shutting down, um, donors are realizing that they, you know, that's where their support is needed.
1: Lauren and Jesse, the, the very fabric of philanthropy around the world, that, that sort of very fragile safety net that has uh, grown uh, over the last uh, many decades is uh, possibly uh, endangered right now. One of the trends that emerged in CAF America's latest report, volume two of the voice of charities facing COVID-19 worldwide, is the need for support that is not necessarily related to COVID-19 relief efforts, but is focused on those ongoing projects that Jesse just mentioned, and the, uh, and the operational expenses it feels very much, uh, and I'll go to Jesse first, that in, in some ways CAF America continues to fill what you might see as sort of philanthropic middleware, right, bringing donors together with charitable uh, needs. But that's happening in a very different way now. Can you give us uh, some examples or of the questions that you're hearing or the answers that, that we're giving uh, around how this can best be done?
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think – Organizations or donors are coming to us um, to ask us you know, where, where certain organizations are that need, need their assistance, whether it's in, you know, they're focusing on specific regions or um, specific issue areas that they want to ensure receive support um, in those regions. Um, we have a, a page on our website that is outlining all of our eligible organizations that are responding to this crisis, and that's been um, a hugely utilized resource during this time um, and, and kind of speak to the, you know, the strength behind Cap America's VETA database in the sense that we're able to provide that kind of resource very quickly to our donors um, who are, you know, searching for different programs to, provide, to uh, support and, um, and, you know, don't have the resources or the network themselves. So it's really creating a different space for us as an intermediary and creating new importance around the, the network that we have globally. Um, and how, how we can work quickly to get funds where they're needed most.
1: Mm-hmm. Lauren, uh, Jesse mentioned the 251 eligible charities in 55 countries that are listed on the CAF America website at CAFAmerica.org, fully vetted charities that are providing uh, relief on the ground uh, during uh, this Global pandemic. Can you give us some examples of how that list is really making a difference for corporate uh, uh, supporters, uh, foundations, and individual philanthropists?
3: Absolutely, Ted. I think we've just seen this really incredible dynamic um, with with donors who are coming to us, and they're you know they're coming from a place of just wanting to help and wanting to know the best ways to apply. Um, their funding, and they're really asking charities, you know, what do you need? So it's, it's really been amazing to see this shift away from, um, you know, the traditional grant making process, but really um, looking at the regions that mean most to them or the areas that they want to, to be able to support and connecting with those organizations through CAF America to understand exactly what their need is. And, you know, what we're hearing from our recent survey and from, you know, talking to these charities day in and day out has really just been that they need that immediate support to keep the doors open and to keep the lights on so that we can get through this pandemic and they can continue to provide such vital support to their communities.
1: Thank you, Lauren. We're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask Jesse Kraft uh, to help us navigate through planning beyond the immediate relief uh, in this global pandemic. It's unclear when this global pandemic will end, but there is now a dialogue of, as uh, Lauren mentioned earlier, moving beyond or at least thinking of the world beyond relief and moving towards stability and resilience of the infrastructure. And we'll be right back.
0: Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at capamerica.org on iTunes, or just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, back to the Caring and Funding Podcast and our host, Ted Hart.
1: And we're back here on the Caring and Funding Podcast. Uh, Jesse Kraft, Senior Vice President, External Affairs. Many organizations' ability to survive, as we've discussed on this podcast and on earlier podcasts depends on funding directed to support their operations. However, unrestricted grants are not always easy to make. Can you help us navigate through how donors can think differently about their philanthropy and how charities can engage in maybe a different kind of dialogue that brings these two topics together?
2: Yeah, definitely, and it's, it's a complicated question because part of your question is rooted in internal revenue code that, of course, you know, we don't expect all of our donors and charities to, to understand, so that's, that's our role, to help them understand, you know, the best way that they can accomplish their goals with U.S. Uh, cross-border giving from the United States. Um, but, yes, unrestricted giving is complicated. The only way that you can truly make an unrestricted gift is through a process called equivalency determination which in very basic terms is is the t- determination that an organization that a foreign organization is the equivalent of a US public charity and that's you know of course possible but it takes it takes more time on the front end and it takes you know a lot more input from the charity which of course these all of these organizations are very resource-strained at the moment um, with many furloughed or, or laid-off employees um, and things like that. And so we try to, you know, in these instances, the equivalency determination is much more difficult for these organizations. So the alternative is expenditure responsibility. And all under expenditure responsibility, all grants are restricted just by the nature of what the, the legal requirements. But what we do if a donor wants to make a quote unquote unrestricted grant to an organization uh, to a foreign organization um, is what what we'll do is talk to that organization and ask them what are your needs what do you want to apply the funds to right now and we'll build a grant agreement around that so it is we are restricting the funds then at that point because we're we're isolating the specific projects but or the specific expenses the charitable expenses that they want to fund with that money but we're asking them first so We're not telling them how to use the funds up front. We're asking them, and if we agree, we add that to then a restricted expenditure responsibility grant agreement. So it gives, you know, in that instance, the organization more autonomy in deciding what their needs are so that we can ensure that we're funding where it's needed
1: most. Jesse, it sounds to me like you're saying that even during the emergency of a global pandemic we are not dispensing of all of the best practices of international grant making and that donors should be able to rely on not dispensing of those regulations, but a full and complete uh, implementation of regulations, but doing that in a way that requires a deeper level of understanding of the regulations, a deeper level of listening to the needs of donors. Is that right?
2: Yeah, actually that's, a really good point, Ted. Um, we've been asked a lot of very create uh, a lot of for a lot of very creative solutions to difficult questions in terms of how to support different charitable activities around the world. Um, you know, from making, you know, the ability to make unrestricted grants as we've just discussed, to, you know, funding certain for profits or social enterprises that might be conducting charitable nonprofit activities. And, and doing that is, is definitely possible and legal within, within the Internal Revenue Code and the, the U.S. regulations, but it's complicated. And, um, and, we are you know, Cap America has compliance as, as number one priority. So really what, you know, what our grants or our officers on, on, and our fund managers and, and those that man, work with donors on our team are doing right now, is really having those conversations with the donors to ask you know get an understanding of what they want to do and then we're really providing advice on you know what is the the legal way to accomplish what they're trying to do and and it is it takes a lot of a lot of expertise on the behalf of our team to um to navigate um these different different requirements and ensure that we're getting money to where it's needed most
1: Lauren, I want to explore this uh, a little bit further with you because uh, certainly we hear from donors uh, sort of a push for more flexibility uh, during the, the grant process, but Jesse's making the case that we should not be doing that uh, and taking a blind eye uh, to regulation to best practices, uh, uh, particularly when it comes to grant making. Um, why is that uh, the case? It, this is a global pandemic. This is a, 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 a planet wide emergency. Shouldn't regulation or should regulation still matter?
3: Ted, it's a great question, and, you know, from the Cap America perspective, absolutely. Um, You know, being in compliance with the relevant regulations for international grant making is our bread and butter, and we seek to do that on a day-to-day basis, and, you know, even in a global pandemic, we understand the implications of getting it wrong, so we are really working closely, as Jesse said, every day with our donors to ensure that, you know, we're able to make compliant grants around the world that are still making an extremely meaningful impact, particularly during this time of a global pandemic. You know, we just facilitated a large number of grants, almost $2 million in grants for a Fortune 500 company, and they really came to us with this incredible idea of saying, look, we want to support these organizations. We want to just really meet their needs. And we did just as Jesse said, you know, we connected with each of those organizations. We put a strong grant agreement in place and we were able to disperse that money um, in full compliance with IRS regulations and very quickly and now those organizations have those resources to continue their work.
1: Absolutely. Jesse, I want to go back to to you since you're the one who put this whole notion of regulatory compliance during a global pandemic on the table. Uh, CAP America many times speaks of its core principle of the three R's, which is risk, regulation, and reputation. Walk us through why that's a core principle and why does it matter now?
2: Yeah, it it does matter, and and it's You know, in some cases, as you've suggested, it's difficult to explain to some donors. You know, why why it matters during this time. We have had donors come to us saying, "Well, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Can't you just push it through?" (laughs) And you know, I absolutely understand the sentiment behind that. And and it seems like it should be that easy. But um, you know, in the long run, all of these donors are going to be thanking us that um, that we are remaining in compliance and ensuring that. That their their reputations and our reputation um, is still protected through our due diligence process. Um, we are expediting um, our, all of our COVID-19 validations right now, and we've brought on extra capacity to do so. Um, so we're really making an extra push on our end to um, bring on the resources that we need to ensure um, ensure strict compliance to, to uh, the IRS guidelines while also getting funds out the door quickly. So where I think, you know, our team is doing an amazing job of balancing those two. It is still very important to get money there quickly, but it does require the charities to respond to our application and, and sign grant agreements and and things like that. So um, it, it is really it's still very important during this time. And particularly, you know, there, there are, unfortunately, a lot of, um, there's a lot of fraud and phishing going on right now. Um, and, you know, there are, there are, people and entities out there that are aware that, um, that donors are trying to move money very quickly and might not be paying as much attention because of that. And so it's actually even more important right now that uh, we protect our donors and Cap America from those different risks of those that are trying to take advantage of, of the great generosity that's, that's going around the planet right now.
1: Lauren, Jesse spoke about protecting donors, and I think it's, it's understandable that, you know, CAF America is in the forefront of helping to manage risk, particularly international risk, and and, we, and both of you have spoken a great deal today about regulations, but talk to me a little bit about that third R, that reputation and protecting reputations. How does all of that work and come together, even during a global pandemic?
3: sure it 's a really important um, combination of you know, factors that we 're considering any time we make a grant of course it 's so important that um, we 're supporting organizations in a way that 's um, fully compliant with the relevant regulations, but there is a reputational risk with any grant that 's made um, both domestically and internationally and cap America works very closely with our donors to not only assess the regulatory compliance of a grant but we 're looking at each organization from the perspective of, you know, how will this look for this donor? Whether that's a corporation, an individual, or a foundation, how will this grant reflect upon that that um, entity, that donor? And it's so important that, you know, that donor can speak confidently and openly about what they've done to support um, relief efforts, to support organizations around the world. And Cap America is here to provide that confidence in ensuring that the grants that are that we're sending out on behalf of our donors are um, going to reputable Organizations who are doing good work, and that you know they're going to use the funds in the way that they're telling us they're going to use them.
1: Absolutely, Jesse. We're seeing something in this global pandemic that, quite honestly, we've really not seen since the Great Recession, and that is donors, volunteers, those who have been supporting uh, uh, charities, becoming beneficiaries of services, switching of roles. What is this dynamic? playing out for charities who are seeing a decrease in funding and an increase in the need for their services.
2: Yeah, I think that was a really impactful part of the, the recent surveys that we conducted was really to see, you know, a lot of charities saying, yes, our, our um, income, our, our grants and donations are decreasing, but, that, you know, part of that is because many of our, um, our normal donors are in need themselves. And so while they're of course upset that their funding has decreased their, their understanding at the same time that many of their donors might have lost jobs um, or things like that. And it it's, you know, really having an impact on the sector um, across the map. Um, but, it's, and the other, you know, the other area where we're seeing um, that happen is in specifically in employer disaster relief funds or, or employee hardship relief funds that we've seen of course a huge increase in, in Donations or contributions going to employees that normally would have been donors themselves. Um, and and we've seen quite an influx of activity for that type of program. Um, and it I mean overall, it's a struggle for the charities to realize that they need to support their donors during a time when they need support themselves and it's it's really just stretching the organization thin because they don't have the funding to to meet that increased need. So they're trying to really be creative about the funding sources and, and not relying on the funding sources that they would typically have in, in this circumstance because they're coming up dry.
1: Jesse, it, it sounds like this is a, a really high level of stress period. Uh, for charities, trying to maintain conversations uh, with important donors at the same time that they're having to learn how to do business in a different way, provide services uh, in a safe way, and at the same time, keep their doors open. How is this dynamic changing between the donors and their grantees?
2: Yeah, it's... You know, I think it's a it's a frustrating balance for, for the two of them and, and I think time will tell. I think, you know, we're we're pretty early on into into this, this crisis, although I think it it seems like we've been dealing with it for many years at this point. Um but, you know, what we're seeing is that it as part of our questions in our in our survey asked about the time horizon for, you know, when they when charities see the most impact, um and one of the one of the, the statistics that we learned was that the expected impact on revenue due to the coronavirus in the next 12 months, they're expected, 50% of them said that they expect a decrease of more than 20% in the next 12 months, um, and that, you know, some of them are a bit more optimistic about the short term, but in the long term, it's much more uncertain. So I think that's one of the questions that um, we're going to continue to explore um, throughout this crisis is that dynamic between donors and charities and and how they're they're communicating and working together or not, um, and then how charities you know what charities are doing in terms of finding new creative uh, fundraising or, or revenue lines um, that that will help them fill this gap of need?
1: I hear you being very clever there. Uh, uh, Jesse, uh, giving a little bit of a preview uh, to our volume three uh, of the Voice of Charities Facing COVID-19 uh, Worldwide Report that will be looking at those topics specifically to bring to light uh, how charities are responding and how they, what they are doing to try to survive hard to believe our time is almost up, so I want to give each of you uh, an opportunity to just wrap this up and share with us, you know, what is foremost in your mind, what is coming over the phones and through email most, uh, what are your biggest concerns? Uh, Let's go uh, to Lauren Previty, Senior Director, Donor Services, first.
3: Thanks, Ted. I, I think the biggest concern and you know, what's really weighing heavy on my mind are the grassroots organizations that we work with every day um, that are really struggling, and this pandemic may force them to close their doors. Um, and you know, while that is a, a difficult thing to wrap my head around, I'm also just continuously inspired by the creativity and passion of donors and this increased focus on ensuring that these organizations can survive.
1: Jesse Kraft, Senior Vice President, External Affairs. Biggest concern? Yeah, so
2: the number one, I'm going to start with a priority um, because I think that's important too, but uh, for Cap America, our number one priority um, is ensuring that charities know that we're here to support them, you know, through the application process, and then particularly right now during this time is that we're here to support them through potential changes that they might be experiencing in their programs, and for them to know that, If they are experiencing changes um, in in what they anticipated doing with our funding they need to reach out and let us know and we'll work with them um, work with them on that approach Um, and and that's it's really important to make sure that they know that that CAP America is here to support them in, in whatever way we are able and then along with that, my number one concern is, is really for these local small small grassroots organizations. Um, they're really struggling in this, and their voices are often not as heard, and particularly because you know, many of them don't have access to teleworking capabilities. So reaching them and ensuring that they're still um, within our communication loop and, and supported to the extent that we are able to support them is, is of utmost importance right now, and is the most challenging for us.
1: Jesse Kraft and Lauren Previty, thank you for being our guests here on the Caring and Funding Pro- Podcast, bringing us all of this really useful information directly from the front lines of philanthropy.
0: You've been listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast, powered by Cap America. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our archives, sign up for our free newsletter, and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at capamerica.org. Thanks for listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast.